Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Underpowered Hour on this week's show, a Land Rover News Roundup, a quick recap of our UK trip, and then a hard-hitting interview with Ben Smith and Dixon Genner from this year's Anarch. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the spire nut to Stephen's tiny plastic fastener. I'm the fiddly clip of podcasting. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Uh, I'm live from London as we are uh, preparing to uh, finally uh, return to the United States. I hear it's safe now, so we can come back. Uh, those You've folks been, that been looking for us. Have... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've been over here for the last couple of weeks and in Canada the week before that. And uh, you're now headed to Canada as true. we've made a deal that we can never be in the same country at the same time. It's true. It's a uh, court order, actually. Yeah, the court order. Like having to be a certain distance from a school. We can't be in the same country. At the uh, same it's time. not at all like yeah. that. No. <laughs> oh, OK. All right. <laughs> uh, so in the news this week, our good friend, good friend, Adrian uh, Mardell is now officially the CEO of JLR, formerly known as Jaguar Land Rover, formerly known as Rover Company. He must have drawn the short straw. Yeah, that's exactly right. There was like, everybody who doesn't <laughs> want to be CEO, get out of the room. And he would, he couldn't find an exit. No, he's a nice guy. We spent some time together and uh, yeah, he was their former chief financial officer. So hopefully we'll be getting the, uh, the books in order and all that sort of business. Nice. We had an opportunity to chat with the gentleman who was in charge of their procurement last weekend. And that's got to be a stressful position. That's a, r- <laughs> a rough job. The gentleman okay. in charge of finding all those chips, but he was a great guy and said that's all mostly under control now. So that's good. So it's all mostly yeah. under control. Yeah, that should be fine. It should be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Where did you chat with these gentlemen? We went to the Wimbledon tennis final with some folks from Jaguar. And nice. I had a great time. Yeah, I'm not cool. a big tennis person necessarily, mm-hmm. but this that didn't was convert you. Final. I would watch tennis. Sure. I don't know that I'll seek out tennis necessarily, but I definitely will watch tennis, I guess, if the opportunity presents itself again. Tennis you know? has found you. You're the reluctant hero that tennis needs. <laughs> that's exactly right. I've got to be. I'm like Kurt Russell at the beginning of every Kurt Russell movie. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. I'm willing to be there for it. For you're tennis. the uh, you're driving the pork chop express of tennis. Of t- yeah, exactly. No, it was good. Liza had a great time. It was really neat. They have strawberries, which is a big thing there. So we ate some strawberries <laughs> and we watched some. <laughs> Did tennis you tell and, them uh, they, in the first world that strawberries are no big deal? 
It's like not a big deal. Yeah. We're like, oh, you have strawberries. That's so <laughs> strawberry good. season That's back great. home. That's great. That's fine. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, you can't yeah, take no. two steps without stepping on a strawberry plant on here. A strawberry plant. Yeah. In Oregon. Or, uh, someone eating strawberries or uh, whatever. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. It was really fun. And Wimbledon is a cool stadium and tennis cool. is a, yeah, it's a fun sport. Thankfully, Leonard and Liza were there to explain how it scored and why people are doing all the seemingly odd things that they're doing. And yeah. uh, it was great. I enjoyed it. It's a lot. Right. It's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Very yeah. regimented sport. A lot of rules. Mm -hmm. Has that air of something ancient, an Olympic event or something. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I can just picture like people back in the Middle Ages just volleying back and forth. Awesome. Oh yeah, man. Like the super... heads of their enemies or something. I yeah, really exactly. Sure. Yeah, I imagine it, it feels like one of those games that was maybe played with heads at one point. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, that's true. Every... That was every game. Yeah, at some point or another. Yeah. And speaking of heads being used as as sporting implements, the SVR Defender uh, wow. spied again. Yeah. The SVR Defender spied again. So coming up probably pretty uh, soon now as it looks like it's in sort of its final camo and all that sort of stuff. Rumored to be a 600 horsepower V8 motor in that, is that, uh, enough? In that bad boy. I don't know. It's, I will, I will have find to find out. I don't know. Yeah. That, is a, that is a significant motor. And it's probably the last V8 motor that they will put into a production uh, car. Remember when they said they were going to stop making... Land Rover Defenders, uh, mm. the classic one. And now they make like new ones every couple of weeks. I imagine it'll be the same thing. This is the last Similar. one that's going to get a V8 motor, except for all the ones they're going to make with V8 motors after this one. It's the 1978 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. It's the last one. It's, gonna, it's the last one. Except for next until, year. Until they make another one. Yeah, exactly. Except for next no, year. So, but yeah. I think the exciting thing about this new release is it appears to mm -hmm. have a different front end treatment because yes. they're heavily camouflaging so the front end. So mm -hmm. expect some changes to the new classic defender is that what the they're gonna call it yeah i don't know i don't know what they're gonna call it but i really sure looks cool it's gonna be great yeah. and it's neat that svr is doing the i i guess i mean are they bringing the car from slovakia where it's made and then they're doing stuff to it here uh, in the uk and then they're shipping it out or that's are they that's doing what the badging would imply right yeah that it has to be at svo which is interesting because i know when last time we were there they were saying like oh yeah we'd like to get into the defender but because it's made in Slovakia. We're still figuring that out. And so maybe that yeah. means they figured it out and they're going to go all kinds of special edition new defenders. I think one of, one of the challenges logistically was painting the, them because yeah. they're, the bodies are assembled in Slovakia. So yeah. in order to paint them the special SVO colors, you would have to like ship it and then yeah. paint it and then ship it back to the assembly or line some, or some yeah, such. Right? So I'm yeah, not really sure exactly. how they're solving that issue. Right, because they were... That the paint is like the biggest thing there. You can get like 9,000 different colors or if you happen to have a, a spoon left over from a camping set from the 30s, they'll color match it or whatever sure. you want. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Your family crest, whatever, you, a diamond encrusted lug sure. nuts, whatever yeah. you want, they'll do it. And it's pretty impressive. They have some very talented interior folks and other things. Yeah. And you get to sit on a one-to-one -one scale model of the Starship Enterprise and select yeah, yeah. All of your finishes on your car. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's true. You feel very Jean-Luc Picard in there picking out all Engage. your different leathers. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And finally, we've talked about this before, but our good friends at Tata have uh, decided that they will... Love your uh, pronunciation of Tata. That they will be planting their battery factory here in the UK true. after uh, essentially holding a gun to the head of the, of the UK government until they yeah. acquiesced on... Who knows? Some kind of obviously big incentives to make that happen, but it's happening. It's happening sure. here. 
Yeah, that was in the news a few months ago. Tata was suggesting gently to the UK government that they help them construct a gigafactory for the production of batteries in the UK. And otherwise, they were going to go to Spain or Slovakia, I think, and put their factory there. And maybe that was smart for them, I think. So we heard you want tech jobs. If you don't do this, it's going to look really bad for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, keen negotiators, those Tata folks. It is a, yeah. You don't end up with a car like the Mahindra by accident. Let's just put it that way. Very on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. That And again, back to the SVR Defender, it's probably the last V8 because they're not really putting any innovation into the gasoline uh, motors, diesel motors anymore. They're moving everything, shifting all their focus technically over to EVs. And that's good. Now the batteries will be made right next door. I mean, do you want do you want batteries being made here? Is that a really toxic manufacturing process? I don't know what goes into making batteries. Oh, no. Batteries anymore? No, they're completely yeah, safe. They're fine. No, no okay, great. I don't think they cause fires or no. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sure it's fine. It's going to be great. No. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Nobody liked Somerset anyways. All right. It's a throwaway town. Be yeah. Honest. It's going to be like, uh, it's going to be like New York in that Escape from New York movie. Just <laughs> It's going to build a wall around it. <laughs> the broken Statue of Liberty will be in the background yeah. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And again, coming full circle, then we got to send Kurt Russell in to get those batteries out. It's going to be great. Good point. Get him ready. Kurt Russell. Warm him up. That guy's great. Speaking of the UK, we've been here now, like I said, for two weeks. And oh my God, have we had a Land Rover celebrity, dare I say, uh, tour de force. It has Amazing. been, oh my goodness. We have interviews that we've oh. done. We've shot a YouTube series. That will be coming out at some point as soon as I get around to editing it. Uh, It's amazing. And this all brought to you by our 2.4 TD4 TDCI Defender that that we had here, courtesy of our good friend Vlado. Yeah. This is your first time seeing this vehicle, right? It is. It's the first time in person since we bought it about a year ago. It's been with Vlado. He has been uh, using it exclusively to jump over canals there in uh, Slovakia and I saw a picture of it in the background of one of his Instagram stories where he was using it as a food truck. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. I believe he was selling donairs out of it for the last, uh, yeah, for the last few months. Or horka, which is a, which is a like Hungarian Slovakian rice sausage. It's a delightful. And anyways, yeah, he's been, he's been using it as a food truck and that's fine. No problem. And uh, now we've got it stored at a top secret location here in the UK until it returns to Vlado or I don't know, we find some other adventure to, to take it on before bringing it back to the United States. So we shot some video around that car. We went and saw Duncan Barber just outside of Edinburgh, which is pretty cool. He is a Camel Trophy legend, of course, cinema chase car expert and cinematographic legend and all around wonderful guy. He also runs a rescue boat. He's a volunteer for a local rescue boat shed there. We went and saw that and the old Ford tractor that pushes the thing into the sea and brings it back. Very cool. Really neat stuff. Of course, we went and saw Nick Dimbleby. What is a trip to the UK without Can't seeing do it. the Dimbleby? Yeah, so we went and enjoyed the Dimblebees. That was wonderful. Went down and saw Mike Bishop and took uh, oh, car sweet. number 16 out off-roading a little bit through some green lanes and things around his house, which was fantastic. We saw Nick Rogers, former head of engineering oh. at uh, Land Rover and all He's of everywhere. his collection of, oh man, he is. We saw all the Nicks, all the Land Rover Nicks. We got the whole... It's we hard to in, do. In our Land Rover Nick bingo, we got both. So yeah. it was great. And also Phil Bashel to see the new Dunsfold. Oh my God. We've shot a little YouTube episode in there and it is incredible. Not even two years ago, we were in that building and there were just boxes of 900 letter R's from the front of a Range Rover. And now it's it's a full-fledged museum. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is incredible. And then yeah. ended up with our very good friend, Bob Ives, and uh, did some uh, actual off-roading and a real camel truck with a gentleman who won the camel trophy, which is a pretty rare 
experience. And then I did some farming with Dan. We went and rode oh, the combine uh, with Dan. He's and, the best. Uh, it was, yeah, it was awesome. We did some great combining and I don't think they're necessarily ready to hire me as a farmhand uh, just yet, but I'm working on it. I'm working on my farming resume. I think next season, maybe next season. An internship might... maybe is the next logical yeah. step. And then John Luke Masters, our good friend, uh, brought down his camel trophy discovery, the same 93 Camel Trophy is mine, a sort of sister to my camel, and gave us a taxi service to the train station into London. Jean-Luc's Camel Trophy taxi uh, service is if you need to get from Bob Ives' house to a train station, it's, that's an available option in Uber. You just open up the app and you just look for the Camel Trophy truck driving around South England, and that's the, you just click on that, and there you go. So it's a great, it's a great service, great service. And uh, yeah, and we're going to have all that, of course, all that content. It's a lot of stuff. You know, so many uh, living yeah, rooms. Yeah, so many living rooms. It was a tour de force. Land Rover celebrity tour de force. Incredible. I am very jealous. That sounds like a wonderful trip. Did you get any work done? No, no work has been done at all. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Speaking of Land Rover celebrity tour de force, we were lucky enough to sit down with none other than Ben Smith and the one and only Dixon Kenner at this year's Anarch uh, Festival uh, a month or so ago. It used to be a lot of Dixons. Did you know that? Is that true? Yeah, he's the final character in the Dixon Highlander saga. I was just going to say, has he gone yeah. and eliminated all the other Dixons and he gained has. their power? Yeah. Yes, yeah. he has. One at a time. He's wow. the ultimate Dixon. He's the ultimate Dixon, yeah. He yeah. is the peak Dixon. That's peak it. Dixon. It doesn't get any better than that. I would say that's fair. <laughs> I agree. I think he is peak <laughs> Dixon, actually. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's true. So... Let's get those guys on here and go through that chat. It's going to be great. Let's go. All right. Well, we are here uh, again, live from the uh, beautiful Anarch Diamond Jubilee, looking a little bit nicer, actually, uh, this afternoon than it uh, was yesterday. It was a little, little soupy yesterday, but the, made the RTV really fun. To a little see British. Sliding. Yeah, it's a lot more British. Yeah. It felt, you know, with diesel defenders driving by and like partially rainy skies, it really felt like I could be in the Midlands. It was uh, really nice. But we're joined by our uh, exceptionally good friends, uh, you know, Mr. Ben Smith and Mr. Dixon Kenner, finally uh, together in one place on the show. I think if uh, something were to happen to this tent right now, vintage Land Rover ownership would just get wiped off the planet. It would uh, it would be a major, major set. I didn't actually know you guys were allowed to appear together like a, a you know, like an Air Force One, Air Force Two kind of thing. But uh, but here you are. Thanks for taking the time out this morning to sit down with us and uh talk about all things uh, vintage Land Rover ownership, uh, club ownership, obviously the Ottawa Valley newsletter, uh, this all of this uh, uh, body of work, if you will, that, uh, that you folks are, are involved in, uh, tracking every uh, serial number and every other uh, thing. It is really uh, pretty, pretty remarkable, and I don't think that there's anyone with a vintage Land Rover that has been on the internet, on a board, on a Facebook, on a, on a listserv that hasn't heard at least one or both of your names uh, more than a couple of times, so... Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the time, and uh, let's get into it. So I'm always interested, something we, we try to ask people, and we know we've had to chat with Dixon in the past a little bit, but uh, a little bit of your sort of Land Rover origin uh, story, uh, Ben. When, when did you decide that you were going to uh, devote your life to... Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about vintage airplane crewing. But where did uh, where did you get struck with the uh, the Land Rover uh, fever, such as it is, or contract the deadly uh, Land Rover virus, whatever it is you want to call it? Well, it came in stages. It didn't just happen overnight. But I mean, yes, as a kid, I saw it got really crazy and thought it was a cool movie. Yeah. But uh, when I was a freshman in college, my father's friend, uh, friends from work had an old Series Two, Series Three in his driveway, and he said, "Carl, this would be a perfect car for your son." <laughs> And even badgering dad. Now, this is in a hoity-toity part of New Jersey in Harding Township yep. where 
it had been in his driveway for three years dead next to his wife's brand new Porsche 911. Mm. She said, get that thing out of my driveway. <laughs> and so dad finally says, fine, Marty, I will go and look at this thing. And comes home. And by the time he got home, a tow truck appeared with it towed in. <laughs> <laughs> so dad wrote a check for like $1,000 or right, something. Right, right. I'm off in California, and I have no idea this. I find a book showing British car, I think it was a British military guide of... Uh, military equipment, like looking at lightweights and things like that, not knowing what this thing is. Yes. Come home to find a car that the wiring harness had burned out. The guy had tried to put it in, got it half installed, half wrong, and gave up. Okay, Haynes manual, wiring diagram. Let's hook this thing together and got it running. Went to Atlantic British Rally. That was fun. That engine had rod knocks. The next summer, when I came back from school, we threw a short block in mm -hmm. and uh, then decided to take that car to co college. Now, I'm in Pasadena. I'm living in New Jersey. So yep. Yep. put the engine in. The 500-mile oil change on a brand-new engine I did in a park in a rest area in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I kept driving to California. Right. And that was my only car for a yeah. couple, now from 92 to 97. It's the only car I had. I drove across the country a couple times, went off-roading in the Salton Sea in the desert, ski trips in Colorado or Utah, just yeah. get in the car and go. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of even went to Rover's North Rallies, and they still existed, and just kind of fell into it. And part of the passion came, I guess, when a friend who owned a Volvo said, hey, there's this new Endover email list called LRO. You should join this. And I joined this list of like 50 people Bill Colucci had circa yeah. 1992 or something. Yeah. And this character's on it. Yes. Dixon here. And so a lot of my closest friends, I came from that list, and many of them are here today at right. this event. Right. And so it just kind of snowballed into, let's do some off-roading, let's do more off-roading, let's just go from there. Probably you should ask other questions before I start no, going, it's beautiful. talking for half an it's hour. It's beautiful. And Dixon, what about you? What is the, uh, the I would say, preeminent Canadian uh, Land Rover personality, experts, uh, all-around uh, great guy. You're doing a lot as a fellow Canadian to uh, represent Land Rover's uh, proud history as, as part of the Commonwealth, such as it is. Uh, you know, we ended up with a lot, uh, a lot of Land Rovers, certainly uh, out in Ontario and in British Columbia. We ended up with all these great Land Rovers. So what is it that uh, one day struck you to say, uh, this, is, this is something I'm going to commit a significant amount of my uh, energy and purpose to? Well, at the time, I was into Austin Minis, mm -hmm. and it was over at a friend's place, and we were discussing Land Rovers. We'd seen God Must Be Crazy and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the friend we were at you know, didn't know what a Land Rover was, so we described it to him. And he said, oh, there's one in the garage, neighbor's garage <laughs> across the way. So we went, walked over there, and there it was. And I overpaid, I guess. I paid $1,500 as opposed to Ben's $1,000 for a 64109 station wagon. Nice. Took it apart, rebuilt it. Um, and that was back in a day when you knew there you knew there was other Land Rovers around. You didn't know where there were where right. they were. You knew there was a club, and you couldn't find them because the only way to advertise was in the newspaper or something. Right. And clubs weren't going to do that. Right. And it wasn't until so another member club member put a card on my windscreen saying, "Oh, here's the club. Here's how to go." And OVLR has had a monthly social running uh, yes. since the 1980s. Yep. And yep. Showed up to that. And hasn't left, hasn't yeah. left, and still it's still there. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And then by '93, I was uh, editing the newsletter. Yeah, on my first round. 
And it is a beautiful uh, newsletter. Both Ike and I, uh, you know, uh, get it every month. And, and look I think it's to a it. special thing. You know, uh, the newsletter is a forgotten art in this day and age. You know, they say print is dead, but uh, it's really special to see somebody take the time to compile. You know, what's going on in the Rover community? And uh, I think that's really one thing that separates uh, the Ottawa Valley uh, Club in general from a lot of clubs is like somebody takes the time to make a newsletter and it's always interesting and it's always fun you know and you really do cover a good range of topics you know everything from uh, Land Rover philately to uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> for those of you that don't know what that is it's stamp collecting yep, yep. and uh, for everything from that to like you know new cars you know cars for sale yep. uh, projects people are working on you know there's a Russian I think he's a Russian guy or he's in the Baltics or something that's building a, a crazy crazy detailed brass scale Land Rover and you're one always tenth, one tenth scale um, Land Rover he's a dentist a, a retired dentist in, in Tbilisi Georgia yeah uh, yeah uh, and uh, not Georgia the state but no. Georgia the country, the country yeah. yeah and he's never seen a Land Rover and he's always asking for like intricate dimensions yes. so he can make everything just so and uh, just following all these people that have a, a real passion for uh, you know Land Rovers and Land Rovers is just kind of the nexus and you can really see like everybody has like like Ben has you know airplane crewing yeah. and local yeah. politics and all this stuff yes. and it's it's cool to see what everybody's doing and and you know Land Rovers is just the thing that brings us all together and the newsletter really is a way for people to to know what's going on without you know jumping on social media and 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 being these well, sorts of places well, it feels a little more traditional you know let's jump in to our gripe about the newsletter we love them they're great but electronic newsletters are not very effective to communicate information. It comes in your email. It's 40 or 50 pages. Either you read it now or you forget about it. Yeah. And for many people, once you go back to it, it never existed. Whereas when it came in your mailbox, you came with the mailbox, you put it on the kitchen counter, yeah. you moved to the living room, moved to the bathroom. Over a period of time, you read it once or twice. Sure. And the information stuck. Yeah. And you had a much deeper penetration of stickiness of information. But no one wants to print anymore. That's why I have a printer uh, in the bathroom now so (laughs) that I can just, uh, yeah. It's actually a good point because it creates history. Yeah. Not that I'm I'm bribable or not, but if you want to talk about your Freelander being at the Anarch event right now, if that was in the newsletter 50 years from now when they do the that's right the 125th that's right they're going to say oh Steve was here with his Freelander with his Freelander that's right we could fabricate that information and uh, yeah they would uh, future generations would be like well that car couldn't have been that bad look at how long it uh, lasted it was complete and where else do you send the newsletter Dixon. Oh, it goes all over the place. No, where do you specifically send it to? Oh, it goes into the National Archives. Uh, of Canada. Yeah, of Canada, yeah. So there's an official yeah. record of it. That's right. Gordon Lightfoot songs and the uh, the <laughs> Ottawa Valley uh, <laughs> newsletter right there beside each other. Uh, you know, that's a fantastic line, rightfully so, because I do think that there's something uh, sort of uh, synonymous uh, or at least simpatico with Canada and the Land Rover. We do... Uh, love the Land Rover. We, uh, you know, we had more of them, and I think then, therefore, saw more of them growing up, saw more of them working, uh, you know, than our, our, our friends uh, here in the United States. Um, and so, and of course, because you know, we we fly under the same monarchy. It uh, it is neat. It is neat to uh, to sort of have that history and to uh, and you know, Canadian Land Rovers. Uh, they're some of the earliest ones came to Canada, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the uh, foundational history of the brand was tested in Canada and was marketed with, uh, you know, uh, trails in British Columbia and Ontario and, and things like this. And so it was, uh, 
you know, it was it was a it was a part of Land Rover's DNA, and and to sort of preserve that and to uh, to continue mm-hmm. it forward is is really great. To get off the topic of Land Rover just for one moment, because I think this is also an amazing uh, piece of information about you two specifically, is not just uh, vintage machine ownership or or uh, restoration and operation. It, it doesn't just stop at cars. Uh, you guys are both involved in a DC three uh, airplane, right? And so. Did you meet through that? Did you decide to find an aircraft project to work on together? How did the Placid Lassie, which is the name of that DC-3, how did that uh, come about? So that's actually another Land Rover connection. So Dix and I have known each other for since like 91 or 92 through this list. And another gentleman who was actually here this weekend also drives an 80-inch, Eric Zipkin, who his career went into aviation. And one of his customers called him up around 2010 and said, hey, um, I'm thinking of buying a dead DC-3 and get it running in eight weeks to go to Oshkosh. <laughs> do you want to help out, and do you want to help learn to fly it? And, of course, right. he goes, sure. <laughs> and being a wealthy person, he was able to throw a big check at it, and it worked. Right. right. And then, so, this person flew the airplane for a few years, went to a few events. They took over to Normandy 2014 mm-hmm. for the same anniversary. And over time, Eric was working on them and said, um, we should really create a foundation to uh, fly the airplane, have more people involved. Now, when they went to Normandy in 14. A uh, Dutch historian ran up to him and said, oh, by the way, uh, your plane's Placid They had no idea. Okay, so they could paint that. Oh, by the way, one of your crew members is still alive. Here's his email address. He was at huh. Palm Springs. They emailed yeah. him. He responded within hours. They FedExed him a ticket. He came out and saw the airplane for the first time since July of 45. Wow. Because when you came back from Europe in the war, you were put on leave because you're going to the Pacific in a few months. Right. And then the yeah. war ended, so all discharged from leave. So he'd never seen the airplane. He was a radio operator. So when they created a foundation... Eric calls me up and goes, hey, do you want to join the board? Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, ABH, my grandfather's a pilot. I always wanted to get into it. Never got into it. Um, and Eric took me flying in the airplane, and then I went and got my license and started working down things. And we created the foundation. I'm on the board of that as well. And we need a name. And Ed Tunison, the radio operator of the airplane, had just passed like six months before. So right. what's honor Ed in his memory? So that's why we call it that. And so we have that airplane. And Mr. Lyo, who bought the DC-3 and donated to us, also had a... PBY-5 Catalina project in pieces. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which flew for Greenpeace, apparently, at one point in time, <laughs> until they realized <laughs> flying this gas-guzzling airplane is not quite their mission. Not as green <laughs> as it. maybe it uh, should be. Yeah, that's right. So it did, uh, that's one of our other long-term projects. But cool. a DC-3 is like a Land Rover. It's simple. It's easy. It leaks oil. Although, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about oil stains that are like a foot in diameter. Yeah. When I first saw the airplane, they had a kiddie pool under each engine. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we currently have a kiddie pool underneath the Freelancer. Full of so oil. It's, uh, yeah, full of, uh, yeah, you know, full of a, a variety of things. Yeah, that's going to yeah. come out later yeah. in the event, though, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, for, we're going to put it out for the kids. Yeah, we're going to put it out for the kids. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Swimming in gear oil? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they love it. They love it. You know, they love it. They just love getting dirty, you know? So, no, that's very cool. And, Dixon, what's your connection uh, to that uh, to that airplane? Well, again, as Ben said, with, with Eric and uh, Ben involved in it, I just got dragged into this <laughs> process where I'm also on the board now. I'm not a pilot unlike them, so I right. stand in the back of the airplane. Dash 8. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my nickname there is Dash 8. Quickly, they, we did a drop of paratroops um, a couple weeks ago, and all these things are all very well briefed. We knew that we're going to send out two sticks of seven people and all the rest of this stuff. I'm in the back of the airplane. We fly over. We drop the first stick of seven out, and the air boss on the ground says, I see eight good shoots. <laughs> and, of course, the pilots up front who can't see backwards are like, the first thing on the radio is, oh, my God, Dixon's gone out of the airplane. 
Which, and so he stayed silent. I stayed silent. Let <laughs> <laughs> him think this for a while. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. That is a well, it's a really neat project, and there's been great photos of the airplane taken with 80 inches and all that sort of uh, stuff. If you guys have been doing events with it and stuff, and uh, it's a neat, uh, it's a really so neat. Project. In the war, they put a jeep into the truck right. if you have the yeah. right ramps. Yeah, of course, an 80 inch. Yes. So was the Jeep was an 80 inch. Yeah, that's exactly so right. So we haven't yeah. done it yet. We've put a mini moke inside before. Mm-hmm. But we're thinking if we get the right ramps and take the bumper off, we might be able to make that turn to get an 80 inch inside. Just That'd get cool. it inside. That would be awesome. That it, would be super cool. It actually nearly happened during COVID. Mm. I had gone and brought my Land Rover south to Ben's place. That's right. To do some repairs on it. You know, I was going to go back the next weekend and pick it up, and they closed the border. <laughs> it was stuck down there. And then it was... 2020 or, or 2021, there was the possibility Placid Lassie was going to go to a, an air show in Bagotville, Quebec, and it was ah. they started the planning. Let's put <laughs> my Land Rover in the thing to get it back Sneak into Sneak it back Canada. into the country. Yeah, exactly. Well, we yeah. tried other things like, yeah. okay, we can't cross the border. We understand that. Can we bring the 80-inch to the border, put it in first gear, let it roll by itself, and you can catch it? <laughs> no, you can't do no, that. We weren't allowed. <laughs> no, weren't allowed. No, that's too bad. That would have been a great idea. That would have totally worked. It seems fine, yeah. Custom does not have a sense of humor. Spritz it with a little uh, alcohol on the way by or something. You know, it'd be, it'd be fine. So let's talk just briefly uh, about uh, the cars that you guys have currently. Uh, you both have 80 inches. And what what is what are the what's the status of those cars? And uh, yeah, Dixon many, has more than a. How many <laughs> cylinders do you have between the between two cars the, that are functional? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that are functional. That's a small good question. Number. <laughs> Very good question. Let's express that as a ratio. <laughs> I mean, being a Land Rover, <clears throat> putting the trailer brought up here is running fine. Day two, go to start next morning, nothing. Yeah, I'm due down here. The Chinese knockoff ignition switch had decided to screw the pooch, so I just yeah. pulled the dash, yep. spliced in some wires, dropped them below down, so every time I start, I have to twist yep. two wires together and hit the starter button. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's uh, as, uh, as that's uh, a lot of Land Rovers. That's a significant <laughs> portion of the total production of vehicles, how they how they start. <laughs> and it didn't get any better. Like, I, I had a, a nasty 90, and I can remember um, uh, I was supposed to catch a ferry from uh, Victoria to uh, Anacortes, Washington, and uh, I pulled up to the ferry, and I was waiting for the ferry in the line, and uh, as soon as they lifted the gate, I went to start the Defender, and uh, the ignition switch was bad, and I had to do exactly what you did, and that was, uh, you know, 30 years removed from your car, or 35, or whatever, and so they they never improved that, the ignition switch. There's actually a similar story um, at, what was it, the Moose Trophy? I was just uh, thinking a, of that. <laughs> a Land Rover event in uh, Nova Scotia. And on the way back, they were, Bruce Fowler has an 86-inch. Yeah, 88, actually. 88. They're towing it behind a Toyota uh, Land Cruiser. Uh-huh. And they're trying to make the ferry, and the Land Cruiser dies. Oh, no. Runs out of fuel. Oh, no. They don't know how to reprime the pump. Right. And the ferry's sailing. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that's what happened to me, and I had to wait eight hours till the next ferry. Oh. So Bruce <laughs> decides, let's try and get the thing to the next gas station, which they know is just up ahead. Yeah. yeah. Bruce gets in the 80-inch, or sorry, the, the, 88, the Series 1, and they're going uphill. He gets the thing into gear and going, and then he shifts and gets going faster. And in the end, he drove the thing. The, 
He the pushed. Series 1 pushed, pushed this the Land Cruiser faster yes. and more efficiently <laughs> than the Land Cruiser was towing the, the Series 1. And they got to the dock as the, as the ferry's ready to go, and they just quietly just pushed the thing up on the ferry, and the deckhands are just shaking their heads. <laughs> well, there amazing. you go. There you go. I'd rather be pushing a, uh, a Land Rover than uh, driving Man, a Man, Series 1s so. are where yeah, it's that's at. That's right, exactly. I've, you can always get those things going. Yeah. Well, there's so, there's so few moving pieces that now not all those pieces are always moving willingly, but yeah. uh, but there's so few of them that you can usually motivate enough of them to let you get going. So another thing that Ben and I are doing is we we and another chap um, Keith Barrett from the Series One Club, we created NASOR, the North American Series One Register, and we're trying to collect the various VIN numbers, yeah. serial numbers of these things to figure out how many have survived. Right. You know, of 80 inches. 1349 were actually imported to it. And yep. we know now that 20.3% of these things still exist wow. in some form. Wow. A bunch of them running. Wow. And so we're trying to collect, you know, anyone that has a Series 1, send us the VIN. We don't need to know where it is. Right. We don't need to know your name. Right. But does this thing exist, either as a pile of parts in your backyard right. or something that you're driving around? Yeah. Because how many are around? You know, That's right. And that was started with Land Rover's claim that, you know, X percent, 80% of these things or whatever are still on the road and driving. It's like, well, I don't think so. Yeah. But well, what How is many the of number? that under their own power, though? Uh, yeah, they're on the road or driving, and not necessarily yeah. both at the same time. But uh, the um, we were just uh, we were just chatting with Linus uh, a couple of days ago about, you know, every uh, so often you'll see a Facebook post of somebody saying, uh, oh, look at this crazy car I found abandoned in this one. It happens to be somewhere in northern British Columbia. Um, you know, look at, we found this 107 wagon. They don't really even know. They're just like, it looks like a Land Rover. I Googled, I Googled image searched and it said Land Rover. And uh, they pop up all the time. You would think that by now, every vintage Land Rover that was, uh, you know, put away has been found, but not the case at all, right? People are no. finding them all the time. And, uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting that you guys are sort of keeping track of that, sort of keeping score uh, to see where, uh, you know, where these cars uh, are and when they come up, what, uh, you oh. know, what, what, what's going on with them. Another 107 wagon I uh, appeared just a couple days ago, yeah. and I got a photo of the thing. It's sitting in the uh, dealership in Ottawa. <laughs> and it's been sitting in the de near the downtown of the city for the past 30, 40 years, and no one knew. <laughs> and nobody knew. Nobody knew. Oh, that's interesting. You know, now that I think of that, my good friend Bo Bachman has a uh, has a, uh, a lights behind the grill car that he has in the dealership that uh, that that I just happened by a couple months ago, and he said, "Oh yeah, I got it at a something somewhere, some auction or something of like a whole lot of different cars." And he's like, "I just bought all the Land Rovers they had because we just opened a dealership, and so oh. we've got all these Land Rovers there. So I'll have to go crawl under it and see what the uh, what the VIN number is." Yeah. In the United States. In Canada, the uh, dealerships are not allowed to put anything except current product on their display uh, floor. Yes. We couldn't get Oxford into the dealership. That's, uh, that is, that's unfortunate. Without permission from corporate. Yep. Right, right. I have a feeling that uh, Bo is the type of individual who just wouldn't ask. You know, mm. he wouldn't. Beg forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. He may be in yes. trouble now because I, <laughs> I, I said that, but uh, that's all right. He'll be, uh, he'll yeah. be okay. But um, but yeah no it is uh, yeah it's interesting hey that uh, that you know there is um, there is this sort of love hate relationship it seems with the uh, with the classic uh, vehicles of course Land Rover has the the classic works in in the UK and uh, they're doing some really neat stuff there oh, and fantastic uh, stuff you know and uh, at the same time they do seem a little 
shy to uh, you know to do too much in, in contemporary marketing, but they are here. They do have. Uh, the, yeah, I was just you know, about to say that they're yeah. here. They have a presence, and uh, I think that is an interesting transition uh, that I was talking about with a number of other owners. Is that um, you know Land Rover used to put on events, you know, invite people out. And uh, there's less of that, you know, there's less community that, you know, their, their presence at events has diminished. And I think this is an exception to that. You know, they've done, uh, they did Destination Defender. There was a lot of older cars there. They did this event. Like, I think, you know, that's changing here in North America, but in the rest of the world, you know, Landover is kind of distancing themselves. You know, they're doing them the exclusivity, the modern luxury, you know, yeah. like well, this. In this some ways, they're moving away from the brand Landover to talk about the mo the verticals, the Range Rovers, the Defenders, right. Discoveries, and Landover's fading in the background. That's right. Yeah, you, that's right. It seems like that's the case, but uh, it's, it's confusing if you're a consumer because, you know, they're not totally getting rid of the Land Rover name. It's just like, oh, so is it, what is it? Is it a JLR Range Rover? Is it a Range Rover, Range Rover? Is it a, you know, and, and what does J, JLR stand for? It's, it's a JLR. Oh, yeah, it oh stands JLR, JLR stands now, for yeah. JLR. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but it clear. is confusing, you know, and uh, I think you're like, is it still a Land Rover? Is it, did they get bought by somebody else? You know, like as a consumer, like you're not exactly sure what's driving this and um you know a uh, land rover has always been a, a range rover excuse me has always been a land rover product mm -hmm. so is it like no longer a land right. rover well, and i also remember back in the 90s when they had the defender 90s and the discoveries and range rovers many people came into the dealerships like oh a defender's a great vehicle and they rode in one like oh i want a discovery yeah right <laughs> Totally. And so the two are symbiotic yeah. because people like different directions. They yes. like a range. And I think that's, that is one thing that, you know, like where does the discovery fit into this now? You know, like right, right. the, 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 new defender is every bit as good as the discovery yeah, for you know, sure. birth, but in for terms sure. of on-road and off-road capability yeah. so you know really it's just a, a question of which one do you like the look of better yeah right? i think that's right and it, it used to be that well discovery was that much bigger than defender but with the defender 130 now it's actually a little bit bigger than the discovery so it's yeah it's interesting it'll be interesting to see um because the defender has gone so far up market I feel um, like there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, yeah there's there a is, lot of yeah. overlap there. Yeah, yeah. I think they need to bring back an 80-inch. Uh, They've new, been talking new about that. I know they keep talking about it. An even smaller new Defender. I would buy one. That'd be super cool. But you could say at the same time, you know, when Land Rover abandoned North America in '74, the net result was the Rover owners of Richmond started. The yeah. Association of Land Rover Owners of Canada started. That's right. Turned into OVLR, and Richmond turned into to Rove. And it created the an independent, strong independent club structure. Yep. For people on how do you keep this thing going? That's right. Well, and Mark Latourney and the and the gang at Rovers yeah. North. Uh, you know, and Atlantic Bridge is actually around a few years before right. Rovers North. That's Both right. of them started in places. And actually, yep. when Rover banned the market, Mark Latourney Rovers North got the the uh, franchise for the East Coast. But the company called British Pacific and the West Coast yes. had the other one. Yes. Atlantic Bridge has since bought them, but there was yep. this. There was some setup to use. Yeah, absolutely no, and and I you know I was a, a long-standing British Pacific customer, as uh, especially in uh, in Canmore, uh, Alberta. They're a lot closer to me than it was to get well, stuff. I was in Pasadena, so I could actually yeah. drive over and walk into their shop know, and fantastic. just kind of peruse the the, the, the uh, shelves. <laughs> yeah, I, I can remember going there in high school and yeah. you know buying some toe rings or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, that was a great resource, and you know the Southern California Land Rover scene has really gravitated, you know, in a different. direction. 
direction. And yeah, yeah. You, you know, there's still, I think Huntington Mobile is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, I get calls from that guy yep. periodically. Which they yep, were the there. original shop with British Pacific, and yep. when they yeah. move location, they split. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, they're still there, still working on cars. There's uh, there's still uh, British Car Service, uh, Steve there at uh, British Car Service. There's still a, so, there's still a few, you know. Small story of Huntington. So right after they split, mm-hmm. they're trying to, they're in California and they want to start doing smog stuff, and so they called Land Rover and said, uh, "So I'd like to buy their test book so I can do smog checks." Right. And Land Rover said, "No, no, you can't. We only sell those dealerships." And like, no, I need to buy. It. No, no, fine. They called Carb and said, "So we want to buy this book. They will not sell this dress." Said, "Hold on." Huntington Garage. <laughs> yeah. They called Lender and said, sell this book. And they said, no, we won't. They said, you will stop selling cars in California tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Independent dealerships must do smog checks, right. period, or you can't sell in state. And they call Huntington, when do you want it shipped and where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Don't ever run foul of carb. Those no. guys are... Uh, <laughs> Those guys mean business. They cut, don't. Uh, they cut through. Yeah, they are. They're a, they're, a, they're a rough bunch of people there at the old time. Uh, so carb. my Series 3, when I bought it, well, my dad bought it. it. It had been in Florida. It had another layer of eighth-inch steel welded around the entire frame. Mm-hmm. And someone had cut out the spring picture to put suburban springs in the rear. Oh, my goodness. And that had broken. So I, I go bring it in and say, how do we fix this? They go, well, do Huntington Garage. We had to cut out the spring purchase and weld a new one in for you. I'm like, okay, wrote a check. <laughs> <laughs> I've used that garage. Yeah. The dealer usually won't do that for you. Do, yeah, you, remember the, do you remember the guy that used to own British Pacific? Steve Hedke or the one before? One before. Hugh. Hugh, I knew of him. Randy Rose was also involved with that. Randy Rose who was drives a one hundred and seven station wagon. He does. Uh, and, and Rebecca. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, um, you know they uh, they had a guy working in their shop, Andre. Do you remember Andre? Vaguely. He was like a punk drummer that used to rebuild all their transmissions, <laughs> and uh, he was like, he, if it's six o'clock, he's in the morning. He's drunk by yes. that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he just like a chain smoker. And yep. I, I bought a Land Rover from him, and uh, the entire floor of the vehicle was cigarette butts. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even see that it had link mats in it. And uh, <laughs> the back of the car was, like, just full of beer cans, like, up to the up to the cappings. <laughs> and I went in his shop, and he had just one corner that was, like, probably, probably 10 bushels of beer cans in the corner. He was a crazy guy. He was a crazy guy, but he, he interestingly worked on – a lot of uh, famous people's Land Rovers. So, like, Robin Williams had a series truck. And, like, all these people, like, actors and producers and the interesting people in the L.A. area. And he would just have all these crazy stories of, like, him working on somebody's Land Rover at their house because they didn't want to take it into a shop. He'd go over and fix it. And then, like... All of a sudden, a party would show like happen, and all these famous people would be there, and they would just be like, "Yeah, stay!" And he would just get, you know, just and and by the time I saw him, he was just totally burnt out. You know, he just had too many good times. That yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, and he would just drive around in that series truck with no registration because he'd lost his license with a giant Saint Bernard in it. And the St. Bernard would sit in it like a person with its arm leaning out the window. <laughs> it's nice to know that even a St. Bernard can't comfortably sit in a series lander without putting an arm out the window. Yeah, that's good to know. That's, 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 uh, that's uh, top-hitting, winning British design. We're going to have to put a picture. I have a picture of Andre and his dog like oh, riding yeah. around in his series truck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, hey, it has been an absolute uh, pleasure. I, uh, I consider you guys not just uh, guests of the show, but contributors uh, obviously we uh, 
Uh, we talk about Dixon all the time because of his love of the Freelander and uh, interest in our <laughs> Freelander project. So, uh, it is the king of Land Rovers, is the, the mightiest of them all. That is exactly right. And, uh, Ben, I hope you'll come back and uh, happy to spend time. And uh, I hope maybe one of these days we'll do a show live inside of Placid Lassie. Probably not while it's flying because I don't think anybody can hear anything, but, uh, but at least... Uh, you know, at least uh, at some point in the future. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for everything that you've done to uh, uh, make the community so strong in, uh, in both of our countries and, uh, and to, uh, to, to, to keep the dream of Land Rover, vintage Land Rover ownership uh, alive, at least in our hearts, if maybe not physically all the time. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely true. You know, I really appreciate your guys' effort, you know, from the Mendo list to the FA, FAQ to all these different things that you're involved in and helping out at these events and stuff. It's, uh, it's great to see you guys, and I really appreciate the efforts that you put into that stuff. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks Thank for coming. you very much. All right. See you on the trail. Those guys are awesome. They are the most Land Rovery of Land Rover people. Super nerds. Now, what I don't know is, do you think Dixon's realized that we put those Freelander floor mats into his 80 inch before he left the festival? I don't know. I haven't I heard know. anything about it, but it I have a feeling uh, when I come into my house and I haven't turned on the light yet, I fully expect those Freelander floor mats to be behind my door. Or he's really enjoying them. You know what? This is what this car was missing this whole time. Could be. Or... They're somewhere flung out on the freeway between Greek Peak and somewhere in Ontario. We'll hope not. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see. Anyways, and with that, we have one final one final thing, a, a Land Rovers in the movies, everybody's ninth favorite segment. This one, a brand new, I guess, installment from the Marvel Cinematic or Television Universe on Disney Plus, the secret invasion with none other than uh, celebrity Land Rover owner Samuel L. Jackson. And this time there is a plethora of Land Rovers. And there must be somebody who makes these Marvel shows. Somebody's got, yeah, somebody's got something. There's a tie because we we had previously discussed the show Moon Knight, which has That's several right. classic defenders several classics. featured in it and maybe some Range Rovers. The baddies always seem to drive Range Rovers. But in this new show called Secret Invasion, aliens are trying to take over the world. And yeah. there is only one gentleman who can stand in their way, Samuel L. Jackson, otherwise known as Nick Fury. And uh, my understanding is his agency drives a defender, Mm -hmm. apparently. Mm -hmm. Secret Mm -hmm. government agency uses uses a defender in the film. And he also, at a later point in the program, he drives a a discovery. Is that right? A discovery. And the funny thing is he arrives at a secret location where he has this discovery stored. It's under a tarp. And he takes the tarp off of it and gets in and it starts, which I think is the most improbable of the entire series. The aliens invading and turning into humans and all this sort of stuff. I could maybe, I could see that. Yeah, but seems plausible. having an old discovery stored somewhere for enough time that you'd put a tarp on it and to get into it and think that it would start completely improbable. That, that's never that's happened. That's the least, pro- that's the least it's realistic happened. part of the entire show. Yeah, that's never happened. <laughs> Nobody's Sheep ever shifting done that. aliens. Fine. <laughs> Fine. A discovery that sat for a couple of years and starts... No, I can't. No, I refuse. I refuse. The suspension uh, of disbelief cannot continue. No, that's just a bridge too far. It's not. I think it's I think it is interesting because this is far from the first uh, Marvel show that or Disney program that has uh, Land Rovers in it. There was the Eternals, I think, had some Land Rover. Yeah, they had a nice nice NATO style classic defenders. They had some new Range Rovers, I think, in that show as well. The the Moon Knight show also had some of those. One of the installments of thor i think mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they drive to scandinavia to pick up thor and hulk is riding in the back of the defender pickup 
I believe. Yep. So yep. there's got to be a tie in there somewhere. I don't know where yeah. it is, but Net we should Marvel, find yeah. out. Somebody, yeah. we should find out. Maybe it's uh, Kevin Foggy or someone high up. Is you got to get some. It's got to be. You got to get some Land Rovers in there. It's got to be yeah, because it's, it's it's too ubiquitous it's, to be a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Point. Yeah, well, it's not a coincidence. No, exactly. On that bombshell, uh, I think yeah, that's it for this week. Later. Yeah, exactly. We'll get Jenna and the research team deep into that to figure out the tie there and see what what could be. Found be sure there. to like and comment on some of our social media, YouTube videos, and mm-hmm. Instagram stories, and mm-hmm. the old Facebook uh, community. We will be drawing a comment at random from the list of comments, and you mm-hmm. can win a all-expenses-paid trip in Stevens TDCI Defender. Yeah, wherever so, you want to go. If you can find it. You want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, it's been fun. It's been, a, it's been a good time. But do subscribe. Check out that stuff on Facebook. Like I said, we are working on a YouTube series around this trip here to the UK featuring some of the uh, fantastic Land Rover people that we have spent time with and uh, in their fantastic Land Rover places. Basically, we've gone from the north to the south. There's a little bit farther north and there's a little bit farther south. But basically, we've gone north to south and we've basically gone east to west across Scotland as well. If your biggest objection to listening to the show is me, look forward to a lot of me-free content. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, lots of fun stuff coming up on both the podcast and on the YouTube. So check it out. And until then, Ike, happy trails. Good uh, luck on your uh, journey. And unfortunately, we have run out of time for this week's review of Nando's. But we might just hit one before we head back to the States. So we'll see what we can do. I'll bring you back another sandwich. uh, Man, I'm looking forward to it. Bring me some of that sauce, please. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get you some Piri Piri and uh, put it in a Tupperware container and I'll see you in the next, I don't know, four to six weeks. So love it. It'll be set. It'll be good to go. All right. See you soon. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon. And if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.